broadcasting from an undisclosed location. From a secret hunting spot known only to him and the guy who told him about it and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics. That's right. It's another week of The Hunting Show, and I'm your host, Stephen Spargo. You'll remember a few months ago, we had a chat with Anthony and Christine from Yukon Optics, or Pulsar Yukon Optics, about their night vision, thermal imaging, and IR. And I'm joined now. We're outside the Pub and Grub, and you've heard a couple of shows here at the Pub and Grub, so you're not a stranger to it. But we're talking... First thing I want to talk to you about... Well, first, let's say hello. So how are you? How's things going? Great. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much for asking. And Christine? We've just come off a very busy weekend at the Seeker Show. Yes. <laughs> and, and, it, and look, it's not very good radio if you both said it's a bit shit. <laughs> so what, what, we're, what I, the question I have for you, and I think this is apt based on our conversation over a couple of beers, is people, I think, are still confused about the difference between night vision, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but we're talking about zero lux night vision, thermal and infrared the differences advantages and disadvantages of each of those technologies and that's actually kind of a cool thing to cover so let's first of all talk about night vision and zero lux or one lux or low lux night vision yes well night vision amplifies light and it's also sensitive to infrared in the near infrared spectrum up to about 850 nanometers for a tube unit and about a thousand nanometers for digital units Whereas thermal imaging systems use a much longer wavelength infrared, um, and it, it's actually called me- medium to long wavelength infrared. Okay, but what, so what are the advantages and disadvantages uh, from a consumer's point of view of those two technologies? Well, with a night vision, um, you do need a certain amount of light, and they won't work in the absence of light unless you use an infrared source to illuminate your target. Um, The drawback with that is that you need a clear line of sight and also it's affected by distance if you're relying on an infrared source. It's a bit like spotlighting whereby the animal is clearly visible at a certain range but you can't see the background because the light intensity is too low. Um, Whereas with a thermal imager you don't need any light whatsoever. It'll work just as easily inside a cave as it would anywhere else. And the great advantage is you can see your animal perfectly clearly, but you can also see the background clearly. And that's extremely important, especially if there's stock around or there's buildings. And this is important for pest control especially. But the other great advantage of um, thermal imaging is that you can see animals that are obscured by foliage. You can't do that with night vision. One thing that I've really liked, and I've had the chance now to go out and really try some of your products, is it hasn't only enhanced my dusk and and early morning hunting, it seriously has seriously enhanced my daytime hunting. And in fact, you're going to hate me for saying this, but that's where I've enjoyed using it the most, is in the middle of the day, 11 o'clock in the morning, and I'm able to go for a hunt and see animals and I'm not a bad spotter, but see animals I wouldn't have otherwise seen at all using thermal imaging. Yeah, well, one of the great problems that I've always had in the past when hunting is spotting deer in the bush when there's doppled sunlight. So you get areas of foliage that are dampled in sunlight, and then you get these shadow areas. If a deer stands still in the shadow area, I just cannot spot them, especially if there's a few 
leaves in front of them. With a thermal imager, you just take one quick sweep, and if they're there, you'll see them straight away. Uh, absolutely. Now, the next thing I wanted to talk to you about is IR. So thermal versus infrared. And I think price point is one difference. <laughs> but also, they're quite different technologies, but people have still got them confused. Yeah, well, um, you use shortwave infrared with night vision devices. And it, it is basically like a torch. Well, it is a torch, but it, it sends out a beam of light that's invisible to the human eye. With tube systems, um, you can still see the source of the, of the infrared illuminator, um, which can, can spook some animals at close range, but a tubed night vision device doesn't have the same infrared performance as a digital device. Now with digital night vision devices, we can use what's called a stealth illuminator, and that has an invisible source as well as a beam. Um, we we, we um, supply these to the Ministry of Primary Industries for um, recording poaching, and they always use the stealth illuminator with digital devices because they cannot be seen even at close range and yet they can record. Whereas with, with the IR, um, you, 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 still requ you still require a beam, it loses its intensity over distance, but with um, thermal, it's called thermal, but it's, it's really a longer wave infrared, so it's still IR, but it's, it's a longer wave, and it actually sees radiated infrared, so you don't have to send any beam out at all, it just sees the infrared that's around, and that gets radiated off objects. Okay, that, <laughs> nice and detailed. Uh, what about digital versus analogue? There's a, there's a little bit of animosity, and I'll, I'll say this on behalf of all hunters, and I'm sure some of them, their, their eyes are glassing over as I say this, that some guys, because now you've got thermal scopes, are still a bit negative on the idea of having a digital scope versus an analogue scope. Um, w w what's your answer to that? Well, um, an analogue or image intensifier scopes, um, tube scopes, they they amplify light better than a digital system um, but um, they don't last as long they've got 10,000 hour life whereas a digital device has 25,000 hours it's resistant a digital device is resistant to bright light and um, some digital devices most most Digital night devices don't amplify light, actually, except for if there's enough light around for them to actually function. So you're totally reliant on using an infrared illuminator with a digital device. However, with the Pulsar DigiSight, the new 870 and 850 DigiSight, um, it has a some light function, which actually enables you to see in quarter moonlight, and it competes head-on pretty much with um, Generation 2+. Okay, so you've gone that far. What about, uh, something I'm, I'm curious about is, if I, I'm going, I'm rocking down to my local shop and I'm interested in a thermal or, or a infrared system. I've done the research, I understand the difference, but now the choice comes handheld versus scope or gun mounted or, or firearm mounted. Or, or is it both? And of course, you probably want them to get both. But where do you start? Do you start with handheld, or do you start with the scope? Well, well, personally, I I would recommend that you start with a handheld. Um, 
Definitely. You, you do definitely need a means of spotting. Um, if you have a scope, then you have to look through your scope to see your target, which is fine if you know where animals are coming out and you're sitting and waiting. But otherwise, if you're walking around, um, you need to have your rifle safely shouldered and you need a device in order to spot them. What I always recommend is a thermal imager to spot because firstly, you can spot easily, you can walk around and you can ascertain background safety and then um, once you've spotted your target and you get closer you can either use a spotlight to shoot it because you know where it is you know your background is safe or you can use a night scope and it, it doesn't have to be an expensive night scope scope one of our yukon photon xt is a very popular model with handheld thermal images you spot with a thermal especially the xd19 which is one times magnification you can walk around looking through it um, you can avoid trip hazards um, but if you see an animal, it's really easy, um, even if they're obscured by foliage. And then you use your night scope to shoot it. And, and yeah, and all your day. Christine, see, this is why we've got her here. So, yeah, so, yeah, so Christine just pointed out, obviously, all using it during the day. And that's, that's the exciting, for me, that's been the exciting time of... of or exciting time I've had in the hills as has been during the day um, and I think for a lot of people that's a surprise they think they're going to get these things to enhance their nighttime hunting but it actually has enhanced all of your hunting now okay so I'm coming away I've bought myself a, a, a night vision or a, a thermal actually let's stick with thermal I've bought myself a thermal handheld how do I learn to use the thing just take it out and use it they're very <laughs> very very easy to use um, the, the pulse are um, quantum thermal images are really small, they are light and easy to use. They, you, you preset the functions according to your own requirements and taste and then you just take it out. All you need to do is adjust your brightness really. And there's colour color modes that you can select. But the new ones have also got a stadiometric rangefinder, which is a very, very useful feature, especially at night. Um, in the daytime, not so much because if you know the animals then you've got a handheld um, rangefinder then during the daytime you would just use your handheld rangefinder but at night it's very very difficult to judge distance and the stadiometric rangefinder that's built into the Pulsar Quantum XD range really is unique for for the price range. Tell me a bit more about that so it, it does it replace my handheld rangefinder? Well it would at night because your, your handheld rangefinder wouldn't work at night it would actually work but you wouldn't be able to see the reading um, without using a spotlight, which kind of defeats the point a little bit. So the, the stadiometric rangefinder is especially good at night. Um, it does work during the daytime as well. Um, and you only need to know roughly the range. It's not as accurate as a laser rangefinder, but it's not bad. I've had one out and I've tested them against a rangefinder. And if you're shooting deer or pigs with a center fire, it's accurate enough to place a shot accurately. And, and how far out can the does this rangefinder go? I mean, we're if you listen to shows I've done in the past, we're shooting out to near a ton. Is, does it go that far? Well, you wouldn't really need to range out that distance at night. Um, and during the daytime, personally, I would use a laser rangefinder simply because you've got that level of accuracy. But you'd spot the animal at, at a kilometre or even further. And um, for instance, with our Pulsar Apex XD75 thermal rifle scope. Um, you can spot deer at over two kilometres. I've spot cattle at over 2.4 kilometres. And the question is, how far do you need to see them? 
That's before it becomes academic. Oh, come on! I mean, gosh, you see those animals out there? It, you know. Day and night. Yeah, yeah day and night. <laughs> um, look, the, the question I have is, these things are serious dope. In my hunting kit, they, they would make up a serious amount of, of what I spend on hunt, hunting gear. How do you justify the amount or... I need to ask you that. How do, if I'm sitting there and I, my wife's telling me I need to spend four thousand dollars on something other than an XT19? Gosh, that sounded like an a, um, an infomercial, didn't it? But how do I justify that? Good question. Performance, performance, and value for money because they are very, very good value for money. We also do other brands that cost two or three times as much, which are very, very hard to sell because, to be honest with you. I couldn't look somebody in the eye and say this is better value than the, the Pulsar Quantum range which we're currently selling. I think it's a mass produced item, it's a very, very well produced item and um, because it's well priced it sells globally, they are one of the top brands and therefore the price is very, very competitive. Now I want to I expand a little bit on this global thing. We see a lot of cheaper night vision products and I mean night vision or thermal slash night vision products in New Zealand, particularly stuff that was probably manufactured for the US market cheaply. I, I want to understand what the difference is between uh, a, a, some, a unit that I can buy for probably a little bit less that was manufactured mainly for the US market that we've ended up with here and the products that you have. Well, products that are manufactured in the US market are restricted for export so the refresh rate is extremely slow um, it's you know, forbidden from exporting any thermal imager with a refresh rate more than 9 hertz from the US and our competition are 7.5 hertz so that's a really really slow flickery image um, our previous unit the HD the quantum HD unit is high definition and that refreshed at 30 hertz which is obviously a lot higher than 7.5 hertz but our current range is the XD and it it's, um, stands for extra high definition and that's full military specific specification 50 hertz some people quote 60 hertz in the news in the US market but that's 60 hertz NTSC and what you gain in 10 extra hertz is more than offset by um, less scanning lines so the best format still is 50 hertz PAL and, and the products we sell are 50 hertz PAL and it gives the best image currently available. I know in the industry they call they say that NTSC stands for never the same colour twice um, it's a pretty average sort of system to be fair um, and if anyone out there in listening land if you think that we're geeking out we are because um, I do that occasionally um, just google it google NTSC PAL um, CCAM maybe as well um, it's still there, apparently. Apparently, some countries, or mainly France, I think, still use CCAM. Bloody French, yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about that refresh rate a little bit, because I think that's really important. When we're talking about 7 hertz versus 50 hertz, in the real world, looking through a little tiny you know, eyepiece, what difference does that make? Well, with 7.5 hertz, it's a very, very flickery image. If you scan, you have to scan really slowly, otherwise you'll miss things. With 50 hertz, it's extremely smooth, and it's also restful on the eye. 
Now, most televisions are at least 50 hertz. If they were 7.5 hertz, you wouldn't be able to watch them. It would just be awful. Um, each time it refreshes, so, so the image is represented with the 7.5 hertz, 7.5 times per second. With a 50 hertz second, with a 50 hertz system, it is presented 50 times per second. So the amount of information reaching the eye is considerably more, in the order of five or six times more information per second. Okay, so I understand what that means for me on TV. Now you're talking about a system that's gathering information and sending it to an LCD screen which really doesn't have a, re it's not the refresh rate I'm seeing, it's the refresh rate it's receiving. Have I got that right? That's correct, yeah. Um, yeah, they, they use um, organic light emitting diode screens that have very, very fine resolution and good contrast. Um, I guess the screen, the screen would have to refresh, or does it? Yeah, LCD does, but it's certainly not in the relevant, it's nothing relevant, and when we're talking about hertz and 50 hertz, 75 hertz, it's more, it must be the information coming in, right? That's right, because it's actually the, the thermal sensor that's restricted, and it, it's restricted by the US government simply because um, with the higher refresh um, thermal sensors, they can actually be used in thermal guided missile systems, and that's one of the reasons why... Um, they are restricted because you wouldn't want to stick a seven and a half hertz thermal sensor on a guided missile that's whizzing through the air at twice the speed of sound because you know within that period within two refresh rates it's missed the target and also um, they use vanadium oxide sensors which is really old technology They've, it's been around for ages they're really ringing that technology out now all, all our thermal sensors are manufactured by Ulysse in France which is a subsidiary a subsidiary company of Sofrid IR which are a major NATO supplier and they also supply NASA and they're just whizzy whiz, whizzy <laughs> thermal sensors they are at the start of their technology run and straight away you know within Within five years, they're outperforming the vanadium oxide centers, which have taken 40 years to develop. And they're better because they have a, a shorter thermal constant, which means that each pixel takes less time to change color. And that's really important, especially with a fast refresh rate, where the refresh rate is so fast that um, the weakest link in the chain would be the ability for the pixel, for each pixel to change color. And the fact that the pixel changes color really quickly and the high refresh rate means that you've got a super smooth, super clear image that's especially useful with longer focal length lenses. And that's why with our units you can see you can see deer at 1800, 2000 meters, which is military, military specification performance. One question I had from a listener from our last show was why are your units black and white? Why can't we see, you know you see on TV the rainbow colour thermal stuff, that, you know, every, every person that's watched Terminators looked through old T5's eyes and seen the, the, you know, the, those various colours and stuff. I wondered whether it would be distract, distracting or is the technology just not there? Um, yeah, well it is, our new XD units have um, six colour palettes plus black and white. And what one of the selections is um, black and white, but anything that's hot is represented as red and yellow. Personally, I really like white hot. I still like the black and white best. I'm used to it and I just really like it. I find that animals turn out really well. Um, and there's several color palettes, but another one that's available on the Pulsar Quantum, it's like a red palette. 
so the whole image is a deep red. Anything alive is a bright yellow, and I find that for, for long for long time viewing, that's much more restful on the eye because it allows, it's, it's like a dark room. You know, when you're working in a dark room, it's red light. Um, it's restful for the eye and it retains a certain amount of natural night vision. And that's a good, that's a good option for walking around and for observing over to you. But I personally still like the black and white. Okay, a question I had. This is this might be tricky. It's actually not that tricky. You, you've you've these things are out there. They've been used in hunting, and I think hunters at large are kind of sold. They get it. They get how it's going to enhance their hunting. They may be a little bit sure about technology, but they're, they're on the right page. What about other applications? How can I buy one of these and write it off as something else? <laughs> Security. Security is the one. Oh, hang on, Christine. Hang on. This is this is why you paid the big bucks, Christine. <laughs> farmers, if they've lost their stock, they can actually farmers can actually write it off for, for wandering stock. They've actually got to look for stock that may be off on a hill somewhere. They can look good distances um, and see where their stock is. Where their stock is, and yeah, and security on a farm. Security's big, and also for finding buttons in the site. And <laughs> if you have to hang a picture, I use a thermal image just to find where the buttons are. Just look at your wall and you'll see the buttons. Yeah, I don't know, Mrs. Spargo is going to let me have one for finding things to hang pictures on. But I'm going to try that, thank you. Yeah, I just, I had to know. So, you, yeah, so you're right. You, what about, say, for security? Have you sold any for, for that purpose, for actual real life no shit security? Yeah, we, we sell to security firms and we sell, we sell a lot of farmers for security. Yep. We've actually got a, un, a unit at the moment with Mergers and Police. Um, they've had a lot of trouble with poaching over there. And um, we decided to loan them a thermal imager for them to catch poachers. Now, um, we publicise the fact that the Murchison police have a thermal because it's a big deterrent. Because it doesn't matter how dark it is and how sneaky you are, if there's a cop looking with a thermal imager, you'll spot, especially one of ours, because the range is so long. You had it. And, and none of us condone poaching. It's a, it's a terrible thing to do. Now... <laughs> it's very naughty, and uh, look. And if you're interested in in what I think of poachers, go back a few episodes, and you'll find I did a show with a poacher disguised as voice, um, and I kind of tore him to shreds. So there you go. There's enough public land out there. Let's okay. Let's stop there. Um, is there anything else you want to bring up? I suppose we've we've talked about the technology. We've talked about the difference. We've we've kind of touched on price point, um, and we've talked about tax write-offs as well. Uh, is there anything else that we need to know before we go ahead and look at one of these items? And, and not just yours, just in general. What are we looking for? Give me three. Actually, that's a good one. Give me three things I need to look for in a thermal imager before I buy one. Well, first of all, application. Um, you need to be sure of what you're mainly going to use it for. If you're going to do a lot of bush stalking or if you're going to do a night hunting mainly, then you need a thermal imager that has one times or close to one times magnification so that you've got a huge field of view and you can walk around in the dark um, so application for instance if you wanted if you're in this anywhere where there's vast open spaces um, central north island central south island then you'll need a f a, something with a longer range so first of all determine what you're going to use it for mainly secondly 
Um, performance. You need to make sure that it has good performance, so it has a high refresh rate, it has a long detection range, and it's easy to use, and it's light to carry. And the third one, I haven't thought of the third one yet, but Christine will help you out there. Um, accessory battery packs, yes. Oh, oh, look at that. <laughs> hey. Yeah, there you go. So, yep. Tell me more. Yep, so that you can clip an accessory battery pack on the side. I would, I would Thermal Quantums, they are um, the Pulsar Quantum uses AA batteries. It uses four AA batteries and it also comes with two battery cages so you can just drop in a new battery cage with four preloaded batteries really, really quickly and easily. Each one will give you up to about four hours viewing. Um, but we spell, especially to search and rescue the Coast Guard, we also provide um, lithium polymer rechargeable battery packs. Um, they're about 169 bucks, and the last nine hours, they're rechargeable, they're really small, they're really light, and they have a little weaver mount fixed to the side that pops straight onto the side of our thermal images, whether it's the Pulsar Apex thermal rifle sight or the Pulsar Quantum handheld monocular. Very cool. I think you've answered all my questions and done a very good job of it. And hopefully in the coming weeks we're going to be doing a giveaway with you guys. And I'm not going to corner you right now, uh, but we have discussed it. So keep an eye out on particularly our Facebook page. That's the Hunting Show's Facebook page. And hopefully Pulsar's new uh, Facebook page and we're going to be doing a giveaway so you guys out there in listener land have the opportunity to win one of these great products and give it a go for your very self and Anthony thank you so much for well one the beer you know good on you you bought me a beer that's got to that's got to be worth an interview and thank you again for turning up and chatting to me because um, you're, you're a you're a well of knowledge oh thank you very much and everyone out there keep yourself safe and just enjoy yourselves and Christine Every time I call you at the end of the phone, <laughs> almost every time, sometimes I wonder whether you're avoiding me, but thank you for, for your, your few but um, intelligent words. Thank you <laughs> for speaking with us. Anytime. Guys, remember you can win that great 12-month subscription to NZ Outdoor Hunting Magazine. All you've got to do is be active. We kind of keep track of it. We know whether you're saying things, doing things, and emailing us and everything else. And it could be you. 12-month subscription, that easy, to NZ Outdoor Hunting Magazine. Be careful out there and good hunting. Podcasting from an undisclosed location. From a secret hunting spot known only to him. And the guy who told him about it. And possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics.